Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for big-hearted creatives who are aching to build impactful, fulfilling, and sustainable creative lives on their own terms and by their own rules every step of the way. I'm Jen Carrington, a creative coach based in the UK, and you are listening to episode three of season six. For today's episode, I have a returning guest and one of my wonderful friends on the show. You probably already know her and the awesome work she does in the world, so I feel like she kind of needs no introduction. But today we have Sarah Tasker of Me and Ola, and we had so much fun recording this episode together. We talked about her journey of making some truly incredible things happen in her creative business these past few years. We both shared our experience so far of becoming the breadwinners in our marriages, and we also explored how she brings to life courses that truly deliver and delight and get booked out too. I could happily chat with Sarah for hours, which is a good sign because we're actually launching a podcast together super soon, so keep an eye out for that. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Let's jump in. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Since you were last on the show, I've been on your show twice. So this is very fun. It feels like we do this all the time. Podcast table tennis. (laughs) (laughs) And we're starting our own podcast finally very soon. Yeah, I'm really excited. So since you were last on the show, which was, I think, two years ago now. It must be. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was pre-Insta retreat, I think. (gasps) Was it really? I think so. I I have to go back, but I think it was pretty well since since a couple of years ago, you have had undeniably an amazing few years. Just to list some of the coolest things at the top. You've launched and sold out amazing courses. You've made multiple six figures, which as women, like like I feel like, oh, is Sarah gonna think it's really bad that I say that? But hell no, like you did that and it's awesome and amazing. You've got a book deal. Yep. You've made an incredible, like highly listened to podcast. And the list could go on and on. But I would love to know for you, like what has it actually felt like behind the scenes to make all these amazing things happen? And what do you think it took for you to do all this? Because not every business owner gets the level that you've got to right now. It's interesting when you list it all like that, that it does sound quite good. Because <laughs> 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 in the day-to-day, I don't know if it feels any different. Um, obviously, things have got easier. Financially, things have got easier, and that's very nice. And I guess some of my self-doubt has receded in a few areas because you've got that track record. So you can go, okay, I feel like this is going to be a massive failure, but I think I thought that last time and it was okay. So you've kind of got some evidence to argue with yourself. But in the day-to-day, I feel like it's, it feels just as as scary and I still feel like I'm kind of, I get up every day and think I need to figure out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to prove my worth and make it happen. You're still Sarah. Yeah. And and that's a good thing as well as a bad thing. Like, obviously, it would be lovely to get to this wonderful Zen space where I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Just do yoga and eat vegetables. The Yorkshire version of goop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, gloop, it would be called. But, uh, I'm not there. I don't think I'll ever get there. And But then I think that that means that I'm able to write things and share things that are responsive and are in tune with what other people need because I'm still feeling it too yeah you're not like on I always think to myself so say it's people who you really admire so I love Jennifer Lawrence for example and I always remember like she craps just like the rest of us do yeah yeah, that is a really helpful like picturing people on the toilet and being like (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and and well, you know this, Jen, as well. Like with my health, there were there were really bad days. There were plenty of bad days, and you have this idea that like once you reach a certain level of, um, especially like financial success and security, that you'll feel safe. But mm. actually, what happens is the stakes get higher because now, like my husband works for me, so this is our whole family income. So now, when somebody like rips up one of my products, or I feel like they're out to try and like steal my audience, now I feel like oh my god, I could lose everything. Instead of before, it was like, well, okay, I could lose this. Now, it, now it's it's our whole family security. It's more responsibility and more like, and you've had a taste. Like, imagine like when you started your business, if you, if it would have stayed at the, a smaller place, you would have been fine with that. Yeah. But now that you've had this and you know how it feels, you don't want to lose that because you've your life's amazing. And yes, it's challenging, but it's harder. There's more way to fall if you know what I mean yeah that's that's a perfect way of putting it yeah it just feels like a long way to fall and so the higher up the tightrope the the scarier it is to look down does it ever feel lonely to be to not just be the successful but to know that other people see you as someone who is so successful and kind of out of reach yeah I guess it does like I don't want to be like a poor me (laughs) (laughs) me and my successful business is so hard um it is hard because it's it's hard to find people who really relate and who think the same way you do who, that you can trust as well because there is that element of kind of especially when you when you meet people when I meet people online now it's really hard to know who is genuinely interested in being my friend and who is wants to be my friend because they see blue ticks next to my name and, and think it's a shortcut to success. Yeah, that's tough because now you come with some like equity. Like Sarah Tasker is has like capital that people could try and take advantage of. I guess so. It still seems weird to me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just we've always started recording. We were both kind of sharing some of like our like big dreams and fears and anxieties around them. And you you told me how you saw me and I told you how I saw you. And it was so funny because when each of us share our anxieties with the other one, we're just like, You're crazy, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah. If only you could see your own work from the outside. Yeah. Like that would be the most useful the most useful thing in the world but you can never get outside of your own business and you're always so mired in the day-to-day and the stuff that the stuff that you don't put out there for other people to see the crap yeah what do you think were the biggest components to getting you to where you are now both in terms of like practical things but also maybe even just like mindset or areas in your life that really supported you or pushed you or what was what do you think have really shaped you getting to this place in your business and life good question I think I have a real desire to innovate and I I really want to do things that no one else is doing mainly because I don't like to compete I don't like to have to be pitting against other people I just want to do my own thing and do it really well and be known for that so when I wrote my Instagram course the first one the Insta retreat that there was nothing else out there and I wasn't trying to jump on a bandwagon I wasn't like this is going to make me rich I was like I have a head full of Instagram stuff that nobody else is talking about so I feel like I should be the one that does um and I think that that because I was one of the first that automatically puts you in good stead but a people see the integrity hopefully and b you get that you get in there early you get foot in the door before other people and that's kind of the model I've tried to keep up it was like okay I'm getting into podcasts so I'm going to start making a podcast and it felt like that happened six months a year before everyone else went oh me too I'm gonna make a podcast although you were ahead of me (laughs) slide that in there um, but then I've like been on the world's longest podcast hater so you have probably done more episodes than me now I imagine it's not a competition Jen no it's not a competition Jen. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so and I think that 
it's not something that everybody is bothered about but for me it's a real core belief it's like I want to do my own thing I don't want to do something that someone else is doing I think you are also I want to say something because um you know we just laughed there that it's not a competition what I think like me and you have this beautiful like friend slash like business bestie like friendship where it's like we like we're friends and we connect over business stuff but there's never I've never think I've ever felt like it wasn't safe like there's no jealousy there's no competition there's none of that be safe to talk to you so safe and I feel like we could even like before you were telling me an idea you had and I was like oh I've actually got something not the same but similar like a similar style of something and there's not an inch of me that feels like oh fuck you Sarah (laughs) no no well I said the new course that you're launching really soon and I said I've had a similar idea to do something similar and and not got it off the ground and my first thought was brilliant Jen's done it so I don't have to like that needed writing and Jen's gonna do such an amazing job but like I feel like having these kind of friendships in business are actually, they're quite rare because people can be so competitive yeah. and to feel this safe. And I just, I wonder if it's built on a place of like a mutual respect and also just like not, not seeing each other as competition. I just, I just, I was just curious, like, what do you think? And with me and other people, you have this type of relationship with, especially with how successful you've got and how people may make up a story around that or want to take advantage of that. What have you learned around maintaining friendships with other business owners and creatives that still feel safe and supportive and non-competitive? For me, I think it's the same in real life friendships as well as business friendships. Not that they're not real, but you know what I mean? Um, It's that people have to have done the work on themselves. They have to yeah. have done that self-work and figured themselves out and know their own bullshit, know their own insecurities. And then you can get past stuff. So like if you did launch a product one day that made me feel really insecure, I would know that was about me, not you. Yeah. And that I'd need to look at what that meant and that maybe I secretly wanted to do something similar and hadn't realized it or whatever else. And I feel like that's a strength you've got. You know, you're very intuitive. You understand yourself and you understand other people, and all of my favorite people have got that, and it's hard one, it's not like we were born that way, most people mm. have got it because they've done therapy, or because they've done an awful lot of, like, coaching, um, so yeah, know yourself is probably my, people who know themselves are probably my favorite go-to people yeah. when it comes to kind of business besties. And I think you've also got to really actually believe in each other's work. Yeah. And it's like, I think, because I'm so excited for you, and I believe in your work, and I see the impact it's having in the world that I just there's nothing in me that wouldn't I and I don't see it as like well there's this pie and if Sarah takes a piece of the pie there's no pie left for me no because it it really feels like that like I think if you write an amazing e-course and people have an amazing experience of taking it they are more likely to buy another e-course from you or from anybody else because they've had a good experience of of one whereas I think the people I get kind of annoyed by are people who maybe borrow from that kind of business model but write things that haven't got an awful lot of substance and still kind of charge at that rate because I think you're damaging the whole industry you're kind of making making everyone look bad yeah, I have this conversation with Alex a lot around how I think the thing that bums me out the most is when you see a lot of lack of integrity in an industry. Like when you see a lot of people maybe just, just to, just like when you see a lot of copycats or something. Yeah. Or when, it, and I was saying to Alex, like, but I wonder how much, it's not my business to judge if someone's doing something from a place of integrity, like that comes, I'm like, that must be an ego thing for me. Like, I've got to keep my eye on my own mm-hmm. thing. But, the, but I, I like my, I, you know, that scene in Mean Girls, which is like, I just want to bake a cake. It's like, it's, I'm just like, <laughs> I just want to be in an industry where everyone's doing things from a place of integrity. Oh, that's the world we want, right? And it is annoying when you think like our whole message that you and I both put out is 
find your thing and do your thing really well and don't get distracted and kind of, you know, be whole, be present in what you do. And then some people kind of, you feel like they've come along, listened to everything you've said and taken away a completely different message, which is just do what I do. (laughs) Yeah. I always, my biggest marker of like, is something from a place of integrity or not is, is this firsthand knowledge or secondhand knowledge? Because if someone's taken a course and then they sell their own course based on what they learn in that course, Mm -hmm. that is secondhand knowledge. Absolutely. Everything I'm giving, I want it to all be first-hand knowledge. I want to engage with first-hand knowledge as well. That's I wrote this um, little mantra for myself at the beginning of this year. It's like, I only want to tell the truth and I only want to consume the truth. I love that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I've been holding on like, so you know, like if you stumble, like I, I go for my Instagram feed and if something just doesn't feel like truth and that's not a judgment of them. That's just how it makes me feel. I unfollow now because I'm just like, I just want to consume the truth because I don't have time for bullshit and yeah. I don't. I just want to tell the truth even it's scary to tell the truth because the truth means you also showed the flaws and the cracks and the and the struggle but people will relate to that more the right people will relate to that more and the wrong people yeah. will kind of opt out and go well, this isn't glossy enough for me and yeah and goodbye good riddance <laughs> but no and I guess I guess another question I wanted to ask you in this is like do you feel like there's been any misconceptions of your success that have like not bothered you but been like like what are things people have assumed about you now that you're this successful that just aren't true or that you've kind of have made you like laugh in a way like oh that's that's just not what success really looks and feels like I know a lot of people an awful lot of people still meet me or or whatever I'll see what I do and assume I just got very lucky mm. um which, that one kind of gets my back up a little bit because I think it has a lot to do with how I present you know because I'm quite small and I've got this baby face and I've got this little voice so people (laughs) don't take me seriously and think oh yeah but she just got lucky and actually like there's good luck in in everyone's lucky breaks I suppose but mostly it was a lot of strategy and hard work and very deliberate conscious choices that paid off um like with anybody's business so I do I do feel like sometimes people kind of dismiss what I've achieved because it's probably more comfortable to think that way yeah because you to me are just like a tiny powerhouse Thanks. I like that. Like, I like that description. I think I've said this in every like interview I've ever done together. Like you're just you're so tenacious and you're so like you are so innovative, but you also you've just you very quietly just done the work. Yeah, because it's the work that gets it done, right? Like yeah, not talking about it, not watching what other people do, not spiraling, just getting your head down and doing the work. That's that's the path to success. Yeah, and I think that is a testament to you, and I think you've been able to dig deep I think you've been brave enough to dig deeper and to do scary things but it's all scary done... yeah it's all yeah. terrifying still but you but you've done it all with so much integrity that you've you've have so much longevity well thank you that is my hope like we were talking earlier about so every now and again I'll have a crisis of confidence and I'll look at one of those kind of really big American um kind of business models who... empires yeah empires that is the word for it and people will probably know who I mean like you know should I name people we're kind of like talking like the Marie Folios of the world like the powerhouses the powerhouses who you know have made incredible businesses and paved the way for lots of other women to do similar things um and so no disrespect to them but kind of I look at those models and occasionally I think should I be trying to upscale on that level like should I be doing more sales funnels and all those sorts of things and then I always come back to this feeling of it's not for me it's not it's not got the integrity and the personal connection that I love. That's what I enjoy about my business. And maybe it's because I'm a control freak, but I love having that kind of direct contact with every single person who buys from me. Um, 
and it's awkward. Like there's been times when I've met someone face to face and they've said, I've taken your course and I've not been able to remember who they were. Mm. And I don't like that. I want to have, I mean, <laughs> obviously there's, there's limitations, but I want to have a degree of real connection and authenticity with every single person who works with me. Yeah, no, that's how I feel. Like, this is why I've stuck with one-on-one. Like, like some people are like, oh, like, a lot of the times the process, people do one-on-one for a long time and then they just move to courses, which I, which is, this is not me throwing shade at Sarah because I know that's what you've done, but for you it's because you've built such a huge course that there was no point in you doing one-on-one at a certain level because you just poured it all. But for me, it's like, I love just talking to my clients one-on-one and I could pour my energy in trying to build, like, a different type of business model. But for me and my personality style... I am best suited to just like holding that intimate space while still creating other things that can help one to many. And if you know that that's how you get best results for your client, like to choose, actively choose anything else is disingenuous, isn't it? It's it's choosing to give people a worse product, which is not what we're about. Exactly. And I remember always with you, like you've always, you've, I, I love this about you. Like you still like show up on certain platforms where maybe you don't need to show up anymore, like Instagram or like you still do like one-on-one calls now and again, because you're like, you don't want to forget what it feels like to be actually doing the things you talk about. Yeah. And, and that's like, if anyone ever asks me a question, I don't know the answer to like someone recently, people were asking me about those like, um, comment, not comment, trains, the follow trains on Instagram oh, stories yeah. that people have been doing. And I was like, I haven't actually done it. So I went on Instagram and spoke to a few people and was like, can I try this out with you? Because I need, in order to tell other people about it, I need that first-hand experience and I need to know how it feels. And and that's when you're like, oh yeah, it feels kind of weird to do them every day and things you might maybe wouldn't expect. And yeah, I feel like it's really important to stay in the arena, whatever that arena is, so that you can kind of keep giving relevant advice. Yeah, you know what I love about you? Like you've never, like you have achieved so much, but it's never, you've never been like, well, I'm at this certain level now. <laughs> and all you like plebs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's like, you still feel very accessible. Like you still will go on Instagram stories and just like be yourself and like share really human things. And I think that's a, I think we, I sometimes I feel like we feel like in business, our Britishness is a bad thing. Like that kind of like very like self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it's a really, special thing about how we stay very human and very like it's not a people pleasing thing but we care about people in like a very British way yeah like it's a secret superpower you might be right I always I listen to other people's podcasts like American podcasts and I spiral into this self-loathing of like they're so confident and they're so up (laughs) and I'm like terrified every time I record an intro for mine but then when I share those thoughts online if I ever like tweet about it or whatever the responses are always no 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 that's that's what we like that's what we like about your podcast is that you feel like you're normal and you're one of us so I have to remember that because it's it is that difference like sometimes you want to be a glossy perfect online person but I didn't get into this to be I didn't want to be like an Instagram celebrity that's not the aim here I just want to be just want to create what I create and and talk to people about it yeah and I don't know about you like I I just want to feel like everything I do is a true representation of me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, it just goes back to, I want to tell the truth and I want to consume the truth because I just, bullshit doesn't help anybody. And our brands are ourselves. Like obviously yeah. there's, a, there's a line where we maybe don't put everything into our brands, but they've got our names on them. So mm-hmm. if your brand has no integrity, to me that suggests that you have no integrity. It's not a huge leap for people to believe that about you. So yeah, I want my brand to be the best representation of the real me that it can be without without crossing over into being false. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm going to take it as a new direction now. So last year we both did something pretty exciting. We became full-time breadwinners in our marriage. Yes. 
which is a, I don't know about you, this is a topic that I could, I love to talk about, but there's not always space to talk about mm. this because I feel like as women, it's, a, it's being a female breadwinner is not a new thing. Women have been doing it for decades. Um, just it's, get, it's getting more and more now that more women have more opportunities and especially with the online space. But I just feel like we're raised in a world where it's like, don't talk about money and don't emasculate your husband mm-hmm. and all this bullshit. And it comes with a whole new load of things. You know, it is the there's a whole new level of emotions and like money management and just that you're home together all the time. So would you share a little bit about your and Rory's journey to you becoming the full-time breadwinner? And also what's it been like for you guys so far? And how has, I always think it's really interesting, like how has he like adapted to the new like lifestyle you guys have got as well? It is a really interesting topic. It's, it's an interesting kind of chapter in our relationship and I think if you interviewed him he'd probably give you a different account to the one I will give you um (laughs) I think what was hugely helpful to both me and him looking back now and we were actually talking about this the other day is that we both worked in um health and education which Mm -hmm. are really female-led industries still like so the NHS and schools are a lot of the time are run by women especially like community health teams so you imagine like doctors and everybody being male but like in the community so for speech therapy where I worked it was an all-female team we had two men out of like 250 employees just because men don't take the speech therapy course as much Um, and the same for Robbie he'd always had like female head teachers and female managers and I think that that helped because we hadn't come from that kind of more alpha industry where you expect the man to be the leader and the man to be making the money and the man to be making the decisions so it's been interesting to see people outside of us, outside of our relationship, who maybe haven't quite got that same experience and how much more harshly they judge the situation mm. and how they feel like maybe it's demasculating for Rory and worry that that might be a problem for us. Because actually for the two of us, it's been no issue at all. Mm. Um, Rory actually said to me recently that when he was younger, he always used to think that his dream job would be just to stay at home and be a dad. Yeah. So, and I didn't, we didn't, he never told me that. So we didn't know that going into it. It was more just that he was not really enjoying his job and he was working these really long hours and I was really struggling with childcare. So it made sense for us, for where we were in life, to to try it. And it was very much like, a, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in terms of adjustments, like I guess a big one is all of a sudden my relationship with money has changed. So when he was kind of the main breadwinner, I let him make all the decisions about about how much we could be spending and when we needed to stop and that felt fine. But now letting him make those decisions when it feels like my business is money, I'm mm. a little bit more strict. I'm a little bit more like, how much were those socks? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jen, he did spend £25 per pair of socks and bought three pairs. I think that's Oh, Rory is living the high life. I, I've never spent that on socks. I still get my socks from Primark. Oh, and it's so interesting. Like, um, like we've me and Alex. So we, it's been a little bit different for us. So because we've been we've been together since we were really young. We, I was eighteen, Alex was nineteen, and because we met when we were at uni, it, it's that time of life where like you have money, but it's not your money because it's government money. Yeah. So we started our relationship off in this very like, and he had more money than me at uni because he just has like a Alex just comes from a wealthier background, so he had like a lot more parental support, and we just had this relationship where like he would. We'd, we'd split things but he just would end up paying for more things because yeah. he had more money but it wasn't 
we hadn't earned it. So that was our relationship. And then when we graduated, I was really sick. So I was out of work for a whole year. And Alex worked and we lived at home with my parents. But the rule was you can live here, but you buy your own food and you take care of yourselves, which I, I love. I love that my parents kind of forced us to be as re- um, self-reliant as possible. And so he worked and I kind of had, we had this relationship where he was the one making the money. But Alex is, Alex sounds like Rory. I can't wait for them to meet in a few weeks <laughs> because he, Alex is very much just like, he doesn't get his identity from his work or his career. His identity is like, am I showing up for my family? Am I being the person I want to be in the world? And am I creatively fulfilled? Like his, he's the most proud when he does a run and gets a good time. (laughs) So like, so that was, and then I started my business and kind of overnight I became the breadwinner. Like overnight I was earning a lot more than he was. And I was able to get us out of debt and move us out of my parents' house. And then for like a year he was working and he was picking up freelance work here and there, but it wasn't like, he just didn't have the, he was working five days a week at Starbucks. He just didn't I remember have. that time. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got to a place where I was like, okay, you go down to part-time and I will cover the extra. Well, basically, I imagine you guys are saying we share all our money, mm-hmm. but we both have our own like separate business accounts. And then last summer we got to, the goal was always for him to quit his job and for him to be at home full time and to work on his own business, but also see how much we'd like to work together as well. And we got to this point where his um, his work was long, opening the store for much longer in the evenings. And I, he was already getting up at 4, 4 a.m. some days to do the early shift. And it was like, he's either going to have to get up at 4 a.m. or get home near midnight. And I was just like, fuck it. I was like, it's not worth it for this no. tiny amount of money, just for this like weird stability that we thought this was giving us. So he left and I became the breadwinner. You were saying with the socks. Okay, so a couple of years ago when he was working, he was down to four days a week. So we were, we were risking it a little bit and I was earning most of the money and this weird thing had happened in our relationship. And I know he won't mind me. T- I feel like I have to share this because it's the truth. And I'm I'm actually a little ashamed of this, but it's the truth. So I'm going to tell it anyway. And that it was the first time in my life that I was financially independent. I had money. I had more money than I ever thought I'd ever make. Like I wasn't like rolling in it, but you know, I was making more than the average type of income. And I was providing for like the majority of our money and I was paying for all our holidays. And it was stupid because I was, for all of our relationship, we'd always seen our money as ours together. But I got to this place now where because I had independence that I'd never had before, I was starting to see it as my money. Yeah. And I was starting to, I, I have this very, I'm a very independent person and I have this instinct to be very self-reliant. And I had this little voice in the back of my head of like, this is like, protect yourself. Yes. And I, and there was like a power imbalance where I was, there was times in my head where I was like, wait a minute, why am I, I was just being very possessive. And I was like, well, it's my money. So I get to decide how, and it was, it was, it was like a few months of our life where I just looked back and I hated how I was about money then. Because it was like, it wasn't a control thing, but it, it, it wasn't abusive, but it could have turned into an abusive situation where he was not being treated as the equal member of the relationship that he was. And I really had to work through being a team in it and really, I just really had to let go of my desire to preserve myself and be the team that we always had been. And now it's just, it's our money and I couldn't give a flying. We don't see it as like, well, Jen added this to the pot and because Alex is building his business, he makes makes money, but because it's not consistent enough yet, we just kind of put it into savings or put it off whatever we put on the credit card that month. And it's just, we're in this beautiful place where it's just like, we don't care who brings in the bacon. We just want the bacon coming in. And and I really see how we both contribute to maintaining our life. It's just that he does more of the housework and he does more of like the cooking. And I'm just happy to be working more, even though he is working really hard to build his own business. And it's just, it's been this really beautiful journey to go on together of really kind of butting heads and my ego coming into it. Yeah, and I've had similar feelings. And for me, I think it's about this money belongs to my business 
and yeah, I have yeah, to protect yeah. my business yeah, yeah, yeah. above all else. And so losing that control and being like, you can spend a bit of this business's money. Um, yeah, that's been a learning curve for me and kind of, I'm still maybe sometimes hold on to it too tightly. Yeah, no, it's, it's so interesting and it's just, and I always, he, when it was the other way around, he never treated me like that. And then I was, it, now it, there was just a time in our life where I, it, I was just not, I wasn't horrible, but I was just very triggered and I had to have some space to work through it. And he really gave me permission for that. And he is wonderful. And, and if it sounds like the wonderful situation we're both in is that they're not threatened by like having wives who make more money than them. Not at like, all, no. Alex is so proud. Like, I think this is like his dream life. Like, and he wants to make more money just in the sense that I guess for us, it's like he wants to know that if I ever did want to take a step back or if my health forced me to, we would have that option. Yes. But like, I am so proud to be able to provide for us in the way that we have. But it's been, it's been one of like the most interesting journeys we've gone on as a couple. Like we, we've had two like big, I like the, me and Alex went through very early on in our relationship. I had a mental health breakdown. And he literally, like, he didn't nurse me back to health, but he, like, walked with me in that journey very mm. much. And he's really walked with me in, like, both my mental health and my physical health problems. But then this money situation, it's just been, like, such a beautiful but at times challenging, like, journey to go on together. And it's it's nice to be able to talk to you about it because there's not many people. The majority of my friends, their partners just do happen to out-earn them because we live in that world. Yeah, yeah, that's still, that's still the reality of most people's kind of pay and also I think we both have that factor of we 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 felt in debt to them for a long time not maybe not just financially but sort of emotionally like you give me so much you help me when when my health isn't great what do I contribute I don't even manage to wash up every day Yeah, yeah so to suddenly be able to be like oh this is how I contribute to our relationship so maybe I contribute more financially and that feels to us I think it's some of the guilt still for me of kind of how much I have to ask him to help me and that yeah. it's really helped with that, that I'm able to give him this in return, give him this opportunity to leave that job and to be at home more and to have more freedom. Oh my God, I can relate to that so much. I mean, this is something we've explored a lot together. Like I've, so Alex completely, like his early 20s was just about me and he just went to work and it was, I get really emotional when it, because like that is a very special thing Huge. for a very young man to do. And you and, like, shouldn't I, feel guilty, but I bet you did or do. I, I like... I was so sick that I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Alex and when I say that people think I'm exaggerating but if you've been in a mental health crisis that's just the truth and he was so beautiful and he's like Alex is the first like safe home like I love my parents but it's complicated like he's the first like fully safe uncomplicated home I've had yeah and it's just and I sometimes now like my dream was to give Alex a space that he gave me to build this business and I just I'm so fulfilled and I just when I'd go and visit him in work he'd be making coffees and he'd go in with such a good heart but I'm like Alex I want you to have this creative fulfillment that I have and the freedom that I have and also for our life I want that if we have choose to have kids one day I want this kind of life but it's so wonderful to be able to give back and to see him thrive and also yeah he gives so much to me I wanted to give him he never resented it but I wanted to give him that back and it's it's just wonderful how as a team you can really support each other at different times in your life it is and I think it's uh there's a lesson in there as well that like there was a time when with my health and everything else I felt like I had nothing to offer anybody Mm -hmm. like I was useless and I do think if I wasn't with Rory like I can totally see me. I would get into debt because I would never be mm. able to pay my bills because I hate hated calling people. And like just my level of anxiety was so high and yeah. I didn't understand what was going on with my health. And he kind of, he is the structure that keeps my life going. I'm like a floppy bendy tree and he is the stake that holds me up. And together yeah. we're like this awesome tree. And um, 
yeah, I, I, I guess there's something in there about like society makes you think that if you can't be all of those things on your own, you've got nothing to offer. Mm. But actually, sometimes it's about just building the right team and finding the yeah. right people to support you and you support them in different ways. And you kind of, it's like a jigsaw. You, sorry. Yeah. No, you're both kind of together with different strengths in that season of your life working towards the same shared goal exactly exactly and it yeah and 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 I also like I don't know about you like I've had moments where I feel like a really empowered woman that I make the majority of our household income but then sometimes I feel like I'm a bad feminist because like or like a bad woman because I don't I can't run my whole life my husband does do I my my friend texted me the other day to say she was really excited because she'd bought a new washing machine (laughs) and I was like that does sound exciting but I don't think I've ever done one round of laundry. Rory said to me the other day do you even know how our washing machine works and I was like (laughs) I'm sure I could figure it out. But. <laughs> yeah, I could Google. <laughs> it's, but yeah, it's like, I, I'm i like, oh, am I a failure because I can't do everything? But then it's like, no, how wonderful that we can fill a gap for each other and support well, each other to live this wonderful life. I kind of had a real opportunity to explore this recently because Rory's mum, who usually I have a pretty good relationship with, but she was going through a crisis of her own. And in a conversation with Rory, she said to him, sometimes I think it's like you're a single parent. Oh, yeah, which really hit hard on me. And I'm at a point now where I'm just really angry about it and we've not sorted it out. She won't be listening, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, it really made me unpack it. It made made me look at it and think, well, has this hurt me because I believe it? And Mm -hmm. I realized there was a time when I maybe would have done, but I don't believe that that's true now because I know that A, my relationship with Orla is just rock solid. I don't know anyone who is as close as me and Orla. We are like... Your besties. I see it all the time. I can't wait to meet her in a few weeks. She's amazing. Yes, and she's brilliant. And you know, I bloody breastfed that girl for the first three years of her life like you pushed her out of your body (laughs) exactly I've I've done some parenting and I still do some parenting and also I felt like it was a really disrespectful thing to say to people who are single parents because I've got friends who are single parents and my god is it hard and there is nobody there to do the shopping for you or to pay for your holidays or to like even just like go to when you've had a really stressful day and be like can you just take her I need five minutes and that's you know I'm here I'm working a lot more than maybe a typical mother does but I'm here and, and it is definitely a joint effort. And in the end, I was like, it's not like he's a single parent. It's like he's a wife. That's what she means. <laughs> except- and it's a uncomfortable gender role for her. Yeah, that's the thing. If it was a woman doing all those things, what does he do? He picks her up from school. He does the washing. He does the hoovering. Um, he looks after all uh, in the afternoons when she's not in school. And he does bath yeah. time sometimes. Like, yeah, okay, he, he's just being a wife. He's being a dad. Yeah. He's being a dad. He's being what a dad, what we should see as a dad, but we've gendered to be as a mum. Exactly. And she wouldn't be complaining if it was the other way around. When it was the other way around and I gave up my career in the NHS pretty much to look after her, that was just normal because it was expected. And she is, you know, she's a feminist and she's she's from the 70s era of feminism. And I think she would be really shocked and if I ever get to talk to her about it, hopefully I'll be able to kind of point this out to her. But I think it just goes to show how invasive those thoughts still are in our society, that even people who consider themselves feminists and who consider themselves kind of liberal free free thinkers can still get sucked into this notion of, well, you're a woman and you should be doing X, Y and Z. Yeah, well, it's it's huge. I've like, I feel so I sound like you're married like I feel so grateful that I've married someone who who not only like calls himself a feminist but lives it I mean Alex was raised by like a very strong single mother and I'm grateful for her every day for the way she's raised him but like uh he we just try and he doesn't bring any gender expectations to our relationship I I don't think I could be in a relationship with many other people <laughs> because, yeah. 
because I'm difficult. Like I, the other day we had like a fight, like at least a 15 minute discussion about, it. he was like, Jen, why do you never change the toilet roll when you run out of one? <laughs> and I was like, my brain doesn't work like that. I was like, I, I was like, if I lived alone, I would just build up a pile of like used toilet rolls and once a year clean. And he's like, you're disgusting. And I was like, yes. It's just, I, I think of it in spoons though. I'm like, I've been conditioned yeah. by my brain to save energy, be constantly in energy conservation mode. And that is, is that necessary spoon usage changing the toilet roll? No, no. It's And the, the funny thing is like, I realized like he doesn't complain about doing all the laundry, the cooking, but this, this one thing was bothering him. So I've started doing it and I've seen it on his face. Like he just felt seen and heard. Yes. And so it's those little things you, cause I have this um, I grew up with a mother who did all the housework and my dad, it, like, I love my parents. If you're listening, please, they once said to me a few weeks ago, they were like, if you ever write a book about your childhood and our life, can you just do it once we're dead? <laughs> so I was like, no, but like, I, I grew up with a dad who like, my mum would come home from work and he'd be like, where's my dinner? So I'm very triggered by that. So if Alex ever asked me to do something, and he knows it's like, if he asked me to do something, it just goes back to my childhood, promising myself I'd never be my mother. I love you, mother, if you're listening. Um, and so, but I realised like, oh, sometimes it, it's important to see and hear him and respond to that. And it's just, it's just interesting. But yeah, it's a... I could talk about I, I actually have a secret dream to start like a relationship podcast where I talk to like people about their relationships because I could talk about this forever yeah it's I reckon it's really helpful as well for other people in the same situation um or thinking about going into the same situation I, I was saying to you actually at the start of this I don't think I've said this publicly anywhere before but like our sort of mid to long-term dream as a couple is for my business to make enough for us to buy somewhere where we can have a house but also have some land with like some little retreat cabins mm, like maybe not awesome. many but because Rory <laughs> is uh, he's kind of an extrovert you know he fills up on talking to other people he loves to be doing he loves to be doing stuff with his hands and he's come into my business and you know he's brilliant and he contributes in all kinds of ways but I don't feel like they're ways that long term are going to fulfill him yeah and also he wants to talk to me all the time and I don't I don't work <laughs> like that so we have this kind of conflict where he's just like he's sat in the house all day so he wants to chat and I'm like no no I chat online but I don't chat face to face text me instead you need that space like we're we're Alex is is even more of an introvert than I am so we can be like at home all day and he'll be in one room and I'll be in the other and we can work for like six hours and we just kind of pop in and bring each other food or he brings me food and I go and see how he's doing and it's nice but the thing that annoys me the most is if like I'm in the middle of something and he just comes in because he wants to show me a meme yes. and I'm like Alex I'm writing like it's very the, the lack of separation between work and life is beautiful and also like it's you have to have very like honest kind compassionate conversations of like listen I need you to literally go away right now yeah definitely like and it's hard especially like when you're writing I'm sure people who write or writers can relate to this that you get into a headspace and you have to stay there and follow it yeah. and sometimes that means going at like I know it's tea time I know you've cooked for all of us I'm gonna go downstairs and lock the door and write and please don't speak to me for an hour um reminds me of Uncle Quentin in the famous five books <laughs> he is like he I remember he'd go to his study and shout if anybody made any noise in the house but what I remember about that is in those books people respected it like his wife would say yeah. he's very busy and important you've got to be quiet children and the children would tiptoe around and so I kind of even though he was not a positive figure in those books I kind of that gives me permission and I think actually no this has always happened people if you're the breadwinner there has to be times when you say I'm in the zone and I'm gonna focus yeah, well, on that. when I when I feel bad if I'm like Alex can you just give me like an hour 
if I feel bad in that moment, I'm like, no, because what I'm doing is taking care of us. Yeah. Like what I'm doing is enabling all of this. And he knows that. And it's just what I've learned is it's not what I say. It's how I say it. If I'm just like, oh my God, you're bothering me, which I have done a few times. And Alex is going to edit this. So I'm apologizing, Alex, as you listen to this. But um, it's, I've learned it's just the way I say it. Like I just try and say it in like a very nice way. And because I know it's, if say it's a day where he's got some editing he needs to do, but I'm in like a, oh, let's go out and have fun kind of day. I've also got to accept if he's like, Jen, I'm in flow right now. Can you just, can we go out later? Yes. Yeah. It's got to work both ways. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, I feel like in a year we should have this conversation again mm. and see how it feels even in more time and like seeing how it evolves for them too as well. Like as they find their, cause they've got something now that they never had before, which is freedom and time. Yes. And I feel like for Rory, I mean, he worked in education. I don't think it was wow, ever his yeah. dream. It wasn't his vocation. He wasn't called to do it. He just sort of did it because his mom did and it was the logical path. So now when I ask him what he wants to do, he, he has no idea. He has literally no idea. And, and I've kind of come up with this cabin idea because I think it suits his uh, his talents and his interests as I see them and now he's really on board with it but it might be that he suddenly goes in a completely different direction and decides he wants to roast coffee or like be a landscape gardener or, yeah because when you make space in your life for creativity then all of a sudden those things can start to kind of spring up yeah you get to well I, I feel like we're in the same position as like through like being the breadwinners and being able to kind of hold down the fort in this season of our lives we get to hold space them to actually self-actualize when before they were just doing what they had to do to take care of their families. Yes, and you, when you start to achieve that yourself, you realise that it's a, the best gift you can give anybody and, and that everyone should have that opportunity if they possibly can. Yeah, I just want to, like, I, and Alex has ever says to me, like, oh, I just feel like you do so much for this family. Like, I want to, I just say to someone, like, the greatest thing you can do with this time is just find your joy and, like, become the person that I know you can be. Like, he's, I already love him, and he's, and he's, if he never changed again, like, I, I love who he is, but, like, I'm just, like, you, be, I see so much potential in you for just the impact you can have and the joy you can find, like, go and do that. That is, I don't need you to do anything else, just, like, use this time for you because you gave so much for us and me. That's beautiful, Jen. I want to marry you. <laughs> I'm a very good wife. I mean, I don't do any laundry, and I don't change the toilet roll. <laughs> but <laughs> you do now. Uh, yeah well I forgot yesterday and he said something and I was like hey don't go taking this for granted <laughs> I saw a thing online this week actually that was like a sign some passive aggressive roommate had put up in the bathroom that said toy changing the toilet roll will not cause brain damage and they, <laughs> the other person had put post it underneath and said I don't want to risk it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I need to fact please send me that oh. that will make <laughs> okay the last thing I wanted to talk to you about today is your courses because I honestly I feel like at least at any given time, at least 50 to 80% of my client base have taken one of your courses. And they always they always talk about, obviously Instagram's a huge part for online business owners and like how they can put themselves out there, but they always really talk about how your course made them feel. Like they, they love the experience of your course and they all say how beautifully you write it and put it together. And I feel like I have a lot of clients who have taken other courses and they're like, that was a waste of money or it just didn't, it kind of said a lot of fluff, but didn't go deeper. Like most of my clients don't have wonderful things to say about all the other courses they've taken, but your course, I've never heard a bad thing. Like they just, they love it. And I feel like you've, you know, you, and from what I know of, you never took a class to like how to create an amazing online course. Like what have you, how have you developed like such beautiful, amazing courses that have like really delighted and delivered for your customers? And like, what have you learned in that process? It makes me really happy to hear that. Super happy. Um, <laughs> And I think maybe it partly comes from that British people-pleasing thing where mm. I was really determined to deliver. And also because 
I, I deliberately made courses that used the skills I had. So I'm a writer more than more than a talker. So you put me on video and I'm super awkward, but put me in front of a keyboard and what comes out is a lot more fluent. So I wanted it to be mainly written. Um, and I guess for me, it always comes down to this thing where I haven't taken a lot of online courses, but sometimes when you do, you feel like you've actually just bought a very expensive textbook and it's mm-hmm. not really an interactive, immersive experience at all. And I was really keen for it to not be that like all the way through. I was like, especially with it being so written, I was like, how is yeah. this different to something that you could just buy on paper in a bookshop? Like, how do I make it? Because what would a book cost? 30 quid maximum. And my mm. course, the Insta Retreat is 350. Like, yeah. what is the extra value here? So it's all about how I engage people and making sure they engage with each other and making sure that they can check in with me and my TA. And um, I guess my background in education comes into play because, you know, I've I've taught people of all different types. I've taught young children. I've taught teenagers with learning disabilities. I've worked with parents and taught them how to work with their children. So I've got all these strategies and I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd for educational strategies and I'm always kind of <laughs> borrowing textbooks of teacher friends. So I, I kind of try and put that into practice as well. Like mm. how is this actually going to stick in your brain and then be useful to you? And sometimes it's like, you know, you need a thought experiment. You need to see it in your own eyes before it'll mm. click. Um, so then try and bringing that all together. But yeah, I guess for me, the difference between a book and a course is a course has to be an experience. It has mm. to be um, a process that you go through and that you you feel like you're kind of on a journey. I hate that word. It's really wanky. But, it, you know, you feel like you are being taken through something. Whereas with a book, yeah. it's much more passive and you kind of just read it and you learn from it. Yeah, because I imagine people can only get the most out of any course they take is if they actually show up for it and they do the exercises and they make the most out of the community. Yeah, so like quite often in my courses, I'll share an exercise and then underneath that, I will say, um, if you just read that and skipped doing it, um, I understand because <laughs> I'm the same. I would have done that too, but please now go back and actually do the exercise because that is how you're going to learn. Um, so I guess maybe it's partly as well because I'm that person. I'm quite passive a lot of the time when I read or when I take courses and I need the extra nudge to keep me going so I try and put that in for people because I really want them for me there's no point someone taking my course if they don't have good results I want them to have a really good experience and and the amount of people who take all of my courses because they've done one and they loved it so they buy the rest like that's what my business is based on so I'm not at all about trying to just get people through the door and get their money and then cutting them loose I'm much more like I want to hold your hand and get you to where I've promised to get you to yeah and that just goes back to that integrity thing we were talking about earlier yeah like that's why your course sells out so much because people don't just trust you and your but they've seen how many people say I love I honestly like everyone I know who's taking your course just their Instagram is like so beautiful and just but more than that they've learned how to ask themselves the right questions just around their creativity in general. I think that's what you, I don't know if you feel like that, but like that's what I've seen you've given a lot of my clients who've taken your class, is they all say, Sarah's course helped me actually start thinking about it in the right way. That's really good to hear. That's definitely something I'm big on pushing because I don't want it to just be like, do these 10 things and your Instagram will look like everybody else's Instagram. Well done. (laughs) We don't need more of that. What we need is, what's your thing what's your voice and sometimes that means I'm sharing an uncomfortable truth and we you know sometimes people take the course and I say that is your thing and we've discovered that that's your thing and it's not going to have a huge audience it's really niche you need to understand you're never going to be millions of followers with that but you've got to still pursue it because that is your that's your sparkle that's your thing and the the 
few thousand followers you maybe do amass will be so into what you do that you'll be able to turn that into the next step of your dreams. And that is the best. I've had a couple of clients actually who told me that through the insertion, you had a conversation with them like that. Yeah. Where you really helped them A, own what they were about and B, kind of get perspective on, listen, you don't need a million and one followers. You need a few thousand who get what you do and are passionate about it too. Yeah. And like, I'd love for everybody to get those thousands and thousands of followers because of course it feels good. And it, yeah. But actually I haven't been there and having talked to so many people one-to-one and through coaching previously, I actually know that that number doesn't translate to bank balance at all. And you can have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers and not be earning very much. And you can have 1500 followers and be making six figures. And it's about who they are, if they're the right people and how you represent yourself and how you, how you build your business. Yeah. I'm really glad we got to talk about that because it has been on my mind to pick your brain about for a while now. Like how wonderful you are at bringing courses to life. Thank you. I feel like I should get the names of all these people and chase them for testimonials <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll tell them to send you one. So so I, I'm finishing this this season of the show with four quick five questions. Are you ready? Okay. What is the best book you've read recently? Oh, um, uh, oh, you lent it to me, The Perennial Seller by Ryan. Oh, did you read it? Loved it. Yes. Love. Oh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. He's got he's just got another one out. I think I saw that advertised on his Twitter or something. Yeah, but the, his his ego is the enemy is his previous book to Perennial Seller was one of my favorite books. I need to get time. I need to find that one as well then. Yeah. That's good. Okay. If you could have a coffee date with one of your creative heroes or inspirations that are alive, who would it be? Tori Amos. <gasps> okay. In another life, what's a job completely different to what you do now that you think you would be really awesome at? I think I would be a really good, whatever Dr. House is, a diagnostician. Because <laughs> yes. it's like a mystery and you have to do a lot of research and pick it apart. That's how my brain works. I'd be shit hot at doing that. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Okay. And the last one is, if everyone listening could go and do one thing to go and connect with you and the awesome work you do, where should they go? Uh, come find me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at me and Ola, but Twitter is where I am chattier and it's easier to make a one-to-one connection. So at me and Ola, all one word on Twitter. I also love the quotes you share like you, and the articles you share. Like you, your Twitter feed is a really great curation of other things as well, I think. Thank you. That's what I want it to be like valuable. Um, <laughs> and I just, yeah, like Instagram for me, because maybe because it's so big, it's hard mm. to make direct contact with everybody. Every day I go into my DMs and try and reply to everybody, but it's just a losing battle because there's still always says there's hundreds unread. Whereas Twitter, it's doable every day to get through my mentions or it is so far. Um, so awesome. I try. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. And also everyone listening, me and Sarah are launching, a, we, we, we announced this like four months ago. Yeah. And then we got derailed. Life on. happened, but we are actually, we've got a date in the diary and we will be launching a podcast very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Yes, a joint venture. It's going to be um, pretty awesome, to be honest. <laughs> it is. And there we have it, today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about Sarah and the awesome work she's doing in the world, head over to makeithappenpodcast.com where you can dive into this episode's show notes and all past episodes too. And if you'd like more from me, head over to jencarrington.com where you can explore all of the content I create for big-hearted creatives just like you. More than anything, thank you so much for listening along today and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead. Keep on doing the awesome work that you're doing in the world and I'll be rooting for you always.